The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that champions entrepreneurs and startups early stage companies, and in fact, all small business everywhere, and we're heard right around the world. We know from our emails that we have listeners in somewhere near 60 countries, and we want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. Now, we begin each week with a simple little segment called Bob's Thought for the Day. Now, these are sayings that are simple and really get us thinking. Today, I've got three more communication-related sayings for you. The first one, I think, is really true. I've seen so many people with great projects fail for this very reason. The saying is, you can have brilliant ideas, but if you can't get them across, your ideas won't go anywhere. Now, I've always been a pretty confident speaker, but a few years ago, I took a course on public speaking, and it was one of the best things I ever did. These speaking skills are incredibly important and a huge benefit when you're going to make a sales presentation or you're trying to solicit investment or even getting up to promote your business at the local chamber of commerce. If you know how to speak, and can put it together properly, it makes a huge difference. I also love the second saying for today. It's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. I've proven this many times over. I've had many occasions where I've known nothing about the subject being discussed, and so I didn't offer any comment apart from the odd nod or if I was absolutely sure of my position. And the general perception was that I knew everything about what was discussed. It was cool. The third saying is also very true and probably the reason why my last comment is so apt. The less people know, the more they yell. You know, by saying little, people think you know a lot more than you do. I'll bring you more wonderful words of wisdom next week. I've also mentioned on this program many times that I belong to a group in Los Angeles called METAL, which stands for Media, Entertainment, Technology, Alpha Leaders. One of my fellow members is a guy by the name of Michael Levy, and I read an article about him a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month or so ago, and I thought I'd mention it in today's show, 
The article was written by Jay Weston, who's the publisher of Jay Weston's Restaurant Newsletter, and I'm sure that he won't mind me paraphrasing what he wrote about Michael in the Huffington Post. You know, one of my speech presentations that um, I do frequently around the planet is called It's Not the Size of the Budget That Counts, It's the Size of the Idea. If you've got a great idea, then it'll catch on. If you've got a lousy idea, no matter how much money you spend promoting it, you won't get it across. Now, while Michael is a colleague, he's also an absolute direct competitor of mine. But he's a great guy, and he's one of those guys that goes out of his way to help others. And the advice in this article is really good advice. Michael heads a company called Business Career Design, which practices thinking outside the box. And Michael uses a very simple example to illustrate this. A truck. Picture this. Put this in your mind. A truck's been wedged under a bridge underpass and can't get out. The police and the fire departments arrive and they're standing around thinking of getting a crane to lift the bridge when a 12-year-old boy rides up on his bicycle. When he inquires what's wrong, he looks up to the fireman and says, why don't you just let some air out of the truck's tyres? Problem solved by thinking outside of the box. Now, Jay explains that he'd been batting his head against a wall in a movie business situation when he presented this uh, problem to Michael. After listening to his problem, Michael asked a few questions, then threw out a solution which seemed so logical that Jay said he should have thought of it himself, but he didn't. I mean, how often does that happen where you think, God, I wish I I had thought of that. It's so simple. Well, Michael's got the sort of mind that narrows in on those things. Jay also gives the example of Ariana Huffington, who some years ago realised that there were no internet news magazines of substance. She initiated the Huffington Post, which now encompasses a huge number of topics and languages. That, that was really thinking outside the box. It's the one newspaper or blog that I read every single day. I love it. And it gives me so much great information across all topics. Jay also tells the story of an attorney who also received great advice from Michael. After being laid off by a movie studio after working there for many years, he was at a loss as to what to do with the rest of his career. In less than 90 minutes, Michael was able to lay out a simple business solution for him. He was an expert in specific entertainment industry negotiations, so Michael suggested that he contact all the lawyers he'd ever dealt with over the years and propose that he act as their consultant, because he was able to give them an inside track on what the studios were thinking and what's, you know, what more they could get in a negotiation and what they shouldn't bother wasting their time on. Within three weeks, he was showing a profit and was making more than twice what he'd earned in his previous job. Simple? Absolutely. But that's the real secret to thinking outside the box. However, Michael is also extremely capable of creating solutions to much more complex problems. 
Michael was called in to assist a woman shirt designer and manufacturer. The company was having problems collecting accounts receivable payments. Sales were static and the owner felt that he needed some new marketing strategies. So Michael first met with the accounting department. They had just let one accountant go so they could stay under the 50 employee tax limit. Then he met with the marketing department and quickly realised that they weren't using social media to their advantage. Just using conventional media to reach the buying public, that's an absolute no-no in this digital age. So after a meeting with the sales department, Michael was now ready to make his recommendations to the owner. Michael suggested the owner bring in an accountant as an independent contractor to work solely on billing and collections. That way they stay under the 50-person limit. But more importantly, Michael told him to create a series of funny internet commercials and put them up on YouTube and other sites which would cater to their demographic so that they could expand their target audience. Lastly, his sales department was structured into six specific regions with a salesperson responsible only for their own zone. Their pay structure was, this is pretty common too, their pay structure was on a monthly draw basis plus commissions and a yearly bonus based on their sales figures. These are all conventional strategies which just today, you know, they just don't work so well anymore. What astonished Michael was the fact that they didn't share information about sales outside of their own specific territory because of the bonus structure. So Michael proposed to the CEO that he sets up a quarterly bonus pool that would be shared amongst all of the sales force as well as a year-end bonus pool and their normal monthly bonuses. The moment he set these into motion, his outstanding account payables were cut in half and sales went up 14% in the first month. Yep, it sounds complex, but that's how you think outside the box in a serious business situation. As Michael tells his clients, you can't worry about your competition. You simply have to do a better job than they do. Now, Jay concludes the article on Michael by saying that in every way, every day, in matters large and small, by thinking outside of the box, you will find greater success in happiness in your work and life. Now, Michael Levy might be a competitive mind, but he's a lovely, generous guy and a friend, and if I can be as successful as he is, I would be a very happy guy. So Michael's company, I'll just tell you again, Business Career Design. Actually, it's a really nice website, so have a look at it. As you probably know, YouTube recently reinvented itself to act more like a social media platform. And that's good news for all small businesses. In the past, YouTube primarily featured viral videos This new move gives all videos a better chance of being found. The biggest change is that YouTube is now organising itself by featuring channels. And the move to channels means that your clients can add to your business channel, can add your business channel to their favourites. 
So go into your channel settings and make sure that they're optimized. Use keywords words in your video titles, description and tags, so that when YouTube users search, your channel has a much better chance of showing up in the results. It's also become much easier for you to link to other media. You know, whether it's your website, whether it's Twitter feed or Facebook or Google Plus. Make sure you take advantage of this. And if a customer shares one of your videos on a social medium, that video will show up on the YouTube homepage of all the people that that person's in that person's Gmail universe. So you get a much broader exposure. That means that the more active you are, the better. And the important thing is that there are small, less time-consuming steps that you can take to stay on the radar, radar of YouTube subscribers. So rather than uploading videos in big batches, you can spread out the uploading over the course of a few days or weeks. Then subscribers are going to get multiple alerts of your updates over a period of time rather than just once. The reach of your videos will also grow when followers like or comment on them. So whether you interact with videos that aren't your own, YouTube followers will also be alerted to that as well. So whenever you're on YouTube, make a point to comment on all videos that you like that have anything to do with your business or product. It's really a great change. YouTube's also offering you metrics, which makes it much easier for you to pinpoint which videos work and which don't. And perhaps more importantly, when they work and when they don't work. We've been doing this show now since 2011 and uh, we're really pleased with the way it's going. And we want to encourage you to send us in your requests, your, your the questions that you might have. And it doesn't matter what the question is on any area of business. Also, we're constantly out there looking for interviewees that are interesting and that can impart some really serious information that can help you be more successful tomorrow and also information that you may find very interesting. This whole show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you've got a question please, you know, don't hesitate to email me directly at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air. My next guest after this short break is a fellow, he's a friend of mine. We're also in a business venture together working on a television show and a movie. Um, Don Levy, he is a legend in digital media and um, in um, special effects. He was recently a guest speaker at TED, and I'm sure you'll find him extremely interesting. He's one hell of a talent and a hell of a good guy. Now, you're listening to the number one radio show in the world, 
for Entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk to really extraordinary people. People that have enjoyed great success and people that have really made a difference. There are some amazingly talented people in this world. I love to speak to them because they've got so much that they can teach all of us, including me. I'm need to speak to as many of these people as I can. My aim in these interviews is to find out what are the characteristics that they have that makes them great and how each of us can learn from them. My guest today is an amazing talent. He's a great guy and I'm proud to say that he's a friend of mine and we're actually working together on a television and a film project. Don Levy has served on the front lines of the digital transformation of entertainment for 17 years. He led the communication efforts for top visual effects and digital animation studio Sony Pictures Imageworks. He joined Sony Pictures Imageworks when it was just 40 people and a dream in 1995. Starting as an awards campaign consultant, He helped the studio grow in both size and reputation, beginning with its first Academy Award for the animated short The Chub Chubs in 2003 and continuing with the 2005 Academy Award for Best Visual Effects for Spider-Man 2. The effects in that were great. As the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Sony Pictures, He directed corporate communications, marketing and public relations for not only Sony Pictures Imageworks, but Sony Pictures Digital Entertainment, as well as for Sony Pictures Animation and Sony Online Entertainment. Don left Sony 
in June of 2012 to develop a new family entertainment venture and founded Smithbrook Farm, a media entertainment and technology consultancy. Don's a visiting scholar at the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts Entertainment Technology Centre and is teaching entertainment marketing at Boston's University's Los Angeles internship program. All that means is that he's a bloody smart guy and knows a hell of a lot. He's also a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences on its feature animation nominating committee. Don's a real legend in the movie business, and it's a privilege to have him on the show. Hi, mate. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard radio show. Oh, wow. Thank you, Bob. That's quite an introduction. Yeah, well, you've now done a hell of a lot. Now I just have to live up to it in our conversation. You've done so much. I mean, it's been an extraordinary career, and, um, you know, you should be really proud of yourself. Well, thank you. I, You know, a lot of it, Bob, is just uh, waking up every day uh, curious. Uh, I look at each day as a little adventure, and I try to have as good a time as I possibly can while also serving whoever it is I'm working with. You know, try to have a good time while you're doing it. Keep a smile on your face. Uh, and I'm really driven by that, that curiosity. I learn something every day. Yeah, I think the difference is most of us wake up every day and want to have a little adventure, but you've had woken up most days and had a bloody big adventure, and, that, um, and that's what makes you extraordinary and not one of the rest of us, I guess. Let me, ask you, let me start by asking you a very basic, but I suspect not very simple-to-answer question. What makes entertainment popular? Why is one movie with well-known directors and producers and actors successful while another with equally successful people fail? When all the major studios have access to the most extraordinary research on audience likes, dislikes, behaviour, why does that happen? Well, I think why one movie succeeds one TV show becomes a hit, another uh, doesn't, uh, often has more to do with how it was actually made uh, as well as the substance. Fundamentally, I think uh, success is driven by characters uh, and ultimately the, the execution of the show, how, it, how it's made. But uh, audiences really respond to interesting characters, interesting people. Yeah. Uh, and if the characters are interesting, uh, then ideally great and engaging stories uh, flow from them. In other words, you, know, you, you meet and talk to a lot of people. Uh, you're friendly with, with, with people, yeah. and you're, all of the people who you know have many stories to tell. Yeah. And, you know, there is, everyone uh, has many experiences, and ideally that's what, what, what drives story is great characters. So think about Anna Jones or think of the, the Lord of the Rings movies or, you know, go back in time. 
Mm. Uh, even with a say, you know, the silent era with a Charlie Chaplin or a Harold Lloyd, audiences were following the characters they were playing, and because the characters captured the imagination of the audience, the filmmakers, the storytellers, came up with many stories. That's one of the reasons why, frankly, some of the better sequels uh, are are made because the first movie establishes the character yeah. uh, in a really compelling story. And then, just like an interesting friend who you want to see again and again and you know have multiple conversations with, same kind of thing with movies and television. So people follow the characters. They don't sit there, the, the, the film character, they don't sit there and say, aha, this is a Johnny Depp movie, it's going to be great, so I'm going to go. Well, I think that stars do stars do matter, uh, especially in 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 terms of uh, maybe creating an identity for a given movie. If you're launching something new and you're trying to market it to an audience, it is sometimes helpful to have a recognizable name in uh, a given movie. Uh, but a great star, uh, no matter how famous or popular, in a story that does not work, and maybe they're playing not-so-interesting characters, their name alone may open the movie that may get you to tune into a television show. But that in and of itself, the, the star all by themselves, uh, will not uh, make a hit. But you put a star together with all of the other elements, great characters in a, in a terrific story. Now you have the ingredients for a hit. Uh, likewise, you can, you can have a character uh, played by a complete unknown. Frankly, most of the people who were in, say, the Harry Potter movies. In Twilight uh, movies. Yeah, you know, Twilight. They did, you know, they're global hits, but... Nobody really was going to see those movies because of who was in it. Of course, the movies have now made the players in them stars, sure, sure. but they didn't start out as stars. So, and, you know, going back again in time, I, I was with some people the other day. We were talking about uh, one of the most enduring characters, uh, uh, you know, of sort of modern cinema, the, the Rocky character. Yeah. And, you know, nobody knew Sylvester Stallone uh, back then, but... Uh, that movie made him one of the, the biggest stars in the world. True, true. Um, so how's the entertainment business, um, particularly movies and TV, well, <laughs> changed over the last 30 years or so? Well, yeah, it, it, it's, gotten, it's gotten more complicated, the entertainment business. Uh, when, 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 when I started in the business, uh, there were basically in the U.S., we had three television uh, networks yeah. and pretty much on, a, on any given night of the week, uh, most of your audience was tuned to one of those three networks and sure. movie theaters by and large were big. They seated in some major metropolitan areas over a thousand people. Uh, they, they were beginning to twin theaters. So you'd yeah. take these, big movie palaces and make them into, you know, two theaters, two, yeah. three. But we didn't see that sort of multiplex. So 
so I think the biggest thing that's changed in entertainment today is that there is just so much of it. Uh, we have so many choices, and uh, there are so many different ways to see entertainment. It used to be that movies would, would come out and they would play like a, like a theater company moving around the country in a platform release, and movies, movies would play for a long period of time because there were fewer theaters. Yeah. But we've seen the number of theaters grow, and, and now uh, you do most of your business on opening weekend. I've sometimes likened the, the way uh, movies open to the way it used to be on television when I started. In television, you premiere episode uh, to get yourself established. And if you didn't kind of come out of the gate and be in the lead, then you were in trouble. The guy, uh, looking, at, the guy looking at the yeah, Ivan Hudson canceled you. Yeah. Now, uh, television actually has a little bit of a luxury to build its audience. And you're seeing some terrific, terrific work on television everywhere in the world. Yes. Movies, by, by you know, contrast now, if you don't open big on Friday night, I, <laughs> you're gone. Yeah. You're gone. It's a real horse race. And, of course, everybody knows uh, the, as far as the box office is concerned. 30 years ago, you had to be the head of distribution and the president of the studio to know how much your movie grossed over the weekend. Of course, they'd reported in the trades, but that was days later. Yeah. Now, everybody uh, listening to the news or going on the Internet knows exactly how, how much money a movie's made uh, in real time. Now you gave a, a talk on uh, visual effects at TED um, that happens to be up on TED.com. It's also um, up on your website, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, What's it like to work with some of the great visual effects artists and filmmakers on, on these blockbuster movies like Spider-Man 2, for example? That's well, been mind-blowing. Uh, it, it, it's incredibly exciting. I, I've, I've always been fascinated on a personal basis with sort of science and physics and sort of figuring out the impossible and, and, as importantly, dreaming and imagining the the impossible. Well, these people actually bring the impossible to life. Uh, and they are truly the rocket scientists of the entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, they call it the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And it takes a tremendous amount of both art and science to make these images work on the screen. What's it been like? Uh, amazing. Uh, I've gotten to work with really uh, the greats. Uh, Douglas Trumbull, who was a visual effects supervisor on uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 2001, wow. uh, Space yeah. Odyssey, yeah. Uh, and Blade Runner. Uh, extraordinary, extraordinary mind and an extraordinary person. Richard Edmund, who was uh, on Star Wars, uh, Ken Ralston at Imageworks, uh, you know, was also on the Star Wars team, and uh, at Imageworks got to work, really watch, artist named Scott Stockdike, 
uh, rise through the ranks to ultimately become the uh, the, the visual, senior visual effects supervisor. I've worked with John Dykstra and uh, Jerome Chan. I mean, you just name them like Dennis Murin and John Noel. They're they're all they're all so smart and they understand what it takes from both a technological standpoint as well as a performance standpoint, how to get these images on the screen. And it's, it, they're, they're able to hear what a director is asking for. They're able to read a script and envision it in their minds. They work yeah. with teams of artists to get the imagery right. And then they understand how to pull a team of hundreds of talented individuals uh, to actually um, integrate it with the live action photography. And uh, in it, most, it's amazing. In most jobs or professions, you really can be, for quite a period of time, as good as what you've done before. But special effects is one of those areas where you can't be as good as you were before because... The next movie you do, you need bigger and better effects. So you've got to continually evolve, almost on a daily basis, don't you? Well, you're you're right, Bobby. You, you, you know, everybody wants to see something that you have never seen before. So in visual effects, you certainly you certainly may get your next assignment based on the work that you just completed. But oftentimes, you're inventing new techniques and new technologies. Uh, as you go, you, you look at a, 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 a new project, and yes, there are always a few things, and not every, not every shot on a movie is, is groundbreaking. Mm. <laughs> some, of it, yeah. you know, some of it's pretty basic. But on your bigger movies, you're actually asked to do things that truly never have been done before. And you have to figure it out. And oftentimes, uh, you you get to the end of the show, and you really wish that you <laughs> you knew what you did at the end yeah. about four months ago, five months ago, because <laughs> there would have been perhaps better ways to have done it. Uh, but that's just part of it. It is a yeah. constantly evolving profession that uh, you know hopefully improves at every turn. Well, you and I recently went to um, a fellow metal member, Elliot Mack's studio, and watched a what I thought was an amazing demonstration of what can be done today with special effects and fantastic camera technology. How much of a difference does this level of technology make to the production of movies, both in terms of um, the cost of production as well as from the point of view of the visual experience? How much... I think that I think that uh, the the impact is several fold. First of all, uh, visual effects do not come inexpensively, so yeah. a part of the impact uh, is a financial one. On the other hand, if you look at the movies that have consistently uh, performed the best around the world, and of course, one of the reasons that visual effects and animated movies perform well all over the world, is that it's visual storytelling. You don't need subtitles yeah. in order to understand uh, what's happening in a highly visual film. So it's, uh, it, it gives you an instant setting. 
But so what it's done is, uh, on the one hand, it's allowed us to really explore our imaginations. Virtually anything that can be conceived can, in fact, be created. So uh, from a movie-going experience, you have that. I was once said, I believe, by the producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, he, he, he asked what he does. He said, you know, I'm in the transportation business. Uh, I take people <laughs> places they could not otherwise go. Yeah. And that, in many respects, is part of what happens with visual effects. We take audiences into worlds or introduce them to characters that they might not otherwise be able to experience. Uh, but you know, what, that, what that demands of us uh, is, on the one hand, this complete freedom, uh, and just as with the Spider-Man uh, character, with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we need to make sure <laughs> <laughs> that we don't get lost in the visual effects themselves. Yeah. Uh, in other words, it's not just about the visuals. It goes back to the story and the characters. Make yeah. sure you're telling a story. Uh, and then I guess the last thing is that uh, has grown more sophisticated. So those kind of quaint cheats you could get away with years ago. Uh, the audience is not only listening, the audience is watching. Yeah. So it's very important that we get it right. And that, because as soon as we let our standards down, the audience recognizes that and it compromises their ability to stay engaged in a movie because all of a sudden, what was keeping them locked into the story and the characters because it's so real, suddenly when it becomes not real, boom, it, it really uh, takes you out of the story and, uh, and ruins the experience. Okay, just getting away from that for a moment, turning to your background in marketing, what do you see as some of the top challenges and the opportunities in marketing today? Well, yep, just as uh, we have a lot more entertainment choices, Mm -hmm. That same kind of fragmentation, that same kind of distraction, yeah. I think is presenting a really extraordinary opportunity or extraordinary challenge as well as opportunity to, uh, to, to marketers. Uh, I think the, probably the biggest challenge is that the audience is no longer concentrated in any one place. Uh, and because of that, as a clever marketer, you need to understand, A, how to break through the clutter and get attention. Yep. By, and second, you need to be able to do that in a way that really engages the audience. The audience, just as that audience for visual effects, you know, can spot the fakery. Yep. I think that today's consumer... Uh, is not so easily sold. They sure. want to know yeah. that the voice of the person selling a product is authentic and real. I have opportunities now today to be able to really engage in a direct dialogue with our customers. Uh, and we can also, we don't necessarily need the filtering layers of the media. 
per se. We certainly certainly work with media outlets to create TV programs, radio, as we're doing here, uh, and you know, broadcast. And they're all of the traditional vehicles. But now, I uh, there there's an explosion in in mobile. Uh, there are opportunities. Virtually everybody is a broadcaster. Uh, you have uh, websites that look like television networks today. Sure. So I uh, I think that that there there are many 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 ways to reach the audience. The challenge for today's marketer is really developing the right that reaches your target audience, creates a reasonable expansion beyond the target, uh, and uh, does so effectively from a myriad of choices. So gone are the days of just do one commercial in a pretty ad in in a magazine. Now you need to tailor your materials to the very different... uh, uh, places where you're going to be uh, be placing that media, and That's, some of it's bought, some of it's sold, some of it you own, and some of it, a lot of it, you earn. Yeah, I think that's the difference. You've really got to earn it. Now you're off to Germany to speak at the FMX conference in Stuttgart, where you're leading a summit on visual communication. Very quickly, because we're really running out of time. What are you going to speak about? Well, I'm looking at you know, visual effects and animation. We certainly know them from television and, and movies. But what we're also seeing is that the same tools and techniques can be used to help explain really complicated ideas or subjects. So, for instance, when we had the landing on Mars uh, last fall, uh, all of us knew exactly how the rover landed on Mars. Yeah. Not because we could see it real time, but because uh, there were some very talented artists who created an animation. So we're going to be talking about how we use uh, these tools uh, to uh, help uh, develop understanding and teach and learn and communicate. Fantastic. Well, Don, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Don, you can go to Smithbrook Farm. That's smithbrookfarm.com, where you can catch the great presentation that he made to Ted just recently. And it really is good. I I sat there, I think it runs for about six and a half minutes, but it's it's very good. I enjoyed it. And um, I will see you at the next meeting. We're we're doing a a movie and a, a television series together, hopefully. So I'll see you at the next meeting. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. No bullshit. Radio show coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. I hope you all had a great Easter. I like Easter because it's it's quite relaxing. And it gives you a chance to uh, catch up and revitalize yourself. Now, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world. Uh, And, uh, you know, I give speech presentations everywhere. I think I've given presentations in 53 countries. And uh, no matter where you go, during question time, you get exactly the same questions. It doesn't matter whether you're in Moscow or in Los Angeles or Vegas or or Sydney, you get the same questions. I was I did a tour of Iran, um, a major tour. I think I did ten speeches in ten days in ten different cities, and um, and Iran actually is a pretty cool place, I've got to say. And um, the um, the educated people uh, get on with their lives and and run very good businesses and have exactly the same questions as um, other business people around the world. So while the emails that come in come from all over the planet, the answers that are given and the questions are relevant to businesses large and small everywhere. doesn't matter what you do. And my first email today is from Albert Simpson from Des Moines in Iowa. And Albert writes, Dear Bob, thank you very much for your great program. I thoroughly enjoy it and I learn a lot from it. Well, thank you, Albert. That's great. I've never thought about mobile marketing until your program last week. Big business has an advantage when it comes to most marketing, it seems to me, because they have the money to test the market and experiment. But do you have any examples of how mobile marketing works for small business? Bob, keep up the good work. Albert, small business computing recently looked at a few companies that are engaged in mobile marketing to find out exactly how well it does work for them. Ron's Auto Repair Centre of Ames, Iowa. Now, that's not far from you, Albert, I don't think. Uses Yodel 
a service that helps small business with mobile optimized websites, listing on Google, Yahoo, Bing Maps, and uh, paid search services across multiple desktop and mobile outlets. The service doesn't require very much sophistication to use. Pretty much anyone can use it. So using a unique tracking number, Ron's Auto Repair can tell where calls are coming from and see how many of them are a direct result of online and mobile spending. The service has so far been worth around about $9,000 a month in new sales. So $9,000 a month in new sales, it's over a hundred grand a year from mobile marketing. That uh, seems to me with a very easy to use system. Rock Bistro of Sunnyvale, California uses FanMinder to send out marketing messages to all channels, including Twitter, email, texts, and Facebook. Mobile coupons have turned out to be a great marketing tool for Rock Bistro. The coupons, which are trackable through FanMinder, allow the restaurant to see how many people click on the offer and redeem it at the restaurant. When a customer shows the server a coupon on his or her mobile phone or tablet, the server simply clicks a button and redeems it. In the restaurant, you know, customers can also scan QR codes or send a text message to get an immediate discount and sign up for the Rock Bistro mailing list. So, Albert, I think there's great evidence that 80% of companies that say that mobile marketing works for them includes small business as well as their larger cousins. Albert, at a very minimum, all businesses today should have a mobile optimised website and make your website mobile friendly by putting your location and your contact information in a very prominent place. Clarity, simplicity and speed matter. If you're a mobile user, you know yourself, you want to get things quickly. So make sure it's clear what you do and how you can help customers. And monitor mentions of your business on Yelp and other sites that can also influence consumers. Albert, a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, my latest best-selling book. I've had five now, so if you don't have the full collection, I think you can buy the um, the first few, Complex Marketing Made Simple, Sponsorship Made Simple, and uh, what was the third one? <laughs> um, I'm looking at it in front of me, actually. It is Marketing Success Stories. There are a few secondhand ones still available. So my second email today comes from Marilyn Jones from Chicago. Dear Bob, thank you for a great show. I love it. I've learned so much about how to do things better in my business since I've been listening to your show. Thank you. I've noticed in recent times that instead of traditional titles like managing director, sales manager, chief operating officer, etc., that many companies are introducing quirky titles. For example, I read that the marketing guide Grasshopper's title is Ambassador of buzz. Is this a good idea or does it denigrate both the position and the company? I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Marilyn, 
It's a pretty good question, really. To a large degree, I think it depends on the type of company you are. If you're a creative business, then I think those titles, providing that they're creative and clever, um, can enhance the view of the company. So I think they, they add to the company. But I think offbeat job titles are only good if they're authentic and reflect the company's DNA, which is also a reflection of the founders and the company culture. I also think they're bad for both the company and the person holding the title if it's not in the company's DNA to have an offbeat or quirky title. I actually read an interview with the ambassador of Buzz at Grasshopper and he said that the overwhelming majority of people love his title and uh, they created their ambassador of Buzz title for Taylor because they wanted to create a new position that did more than just PR, social media and marketing. They wanted it to convey everything from acting as a brand ambassador to building relationships, talking to customers and representing Grasshopper at events. They felt that it was a new kind of position that required a new kind of title to represent Grasshopper's core values and their brand promise. A standard title just didn't accomplish getting all the responsibilities under one roof. And as an ambassador, Taylor's responsible for bringing the Grasshopper brand's message to the world. So buzz reflects all the buzz and the marketing that he can generate for Grasshopper and their customers through all of their various marketing efforts. So there was a reason for it, and it's really worked for them. One of my favourite speakers bureaus in the world, and there's a hell of a lot of speakers bureaus in the world, and you do have favourites. I've got favourites in each country, but one of my favourite speaking bureaus is Ovations in Sydney in Australia. And they, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but it seems to be forever, introduced quirky titles for their staff. Leanne Christie, a great lady, who's the founder and CEO, became chief of everything. Well, she's the boss, so that makes sense. Her personal assistant, Bev, who is invaluable in the place, became chief of the chief. And I think that's kind of cute. But they also have a chief of client experiences. They've got a chief of relationships. I'm just trying to remember all the ones they've got. They've got a chief of events, I seem to remember. And because they were the first to do it, and because they're so good at what they do, and because they have really good attention to detail, it really has stood them apart from their competition. And I'm sure Leanne, I didn't ask her, I should have um, contacted her and asked her before I talked about this, but um, I'm sure that she would say that um, these quirky titles have been a really great success for them and a great talking point. And, you know, I look at Zappos. Zappos has got a chief happiness officer. They've got happiness hustlers, code benders, and a creativity curator. I mean, they're all great names and titles that reflect their work culture, and they benefit both individually and as a company from that. The biggest thing quirky titles, I think, have got going for them is that they're a conversation starter. If you get introduced as boss of boss or, or chief of everything, then it 
immediately gives people something to talk about when you're introduced. It helps you stand out in a crowd and um, and if you're not constrained by traditional titles, it may motivate you to go out and actually try things that are outside the realm of traditional marketing. The biggest thing against them, well, I reckon if you're switching from a creative firm to a more traditional stuffy company, then being the big shot or the senior money man or some other quirky title could well work against you. It doesn't necessarily, excuse me, it doesn't necessarily reflect you in a serious light. Taylor says that he thinks each company needs to decide how others will view its culture before it decides on offbeat job titles. He believes, and I thoroughly agree, that financial services, insurance, government jobs, other regulated jobs, are not appropriate for offbeat titles. In a situation when a lot of trust is involved, like being a lawyer, you wouldn't want legal wizard representing you in court. Thank you, Marilyn. I will send you a copy of Marketing Magic, a book that I wrote a few years ago with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson and Robert Bly, and I'm sure that you will really enjoy it, and we'll get that off to you tomorrow. If you're a regular listener to the show and you're benefiting from all the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. It's just gone out. It's just actually going out now. It goes out to, I don't know, 16,000 small business people around the world. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook and Google+. And don't forget, if you've got a particular guest you'd like me to interview or a particular topic you'd like me to address, please email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. I'm still working on that um, uh, live business seminar in Phoenix, just down the road from Voice America Business, and I um, am working on that for the second half of this year. So if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at exactly the same time. This is Bob Pritchard. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing this show. I enjoyed the interview with Don, and I hope you have a fantastic week. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.